Welcome back, everyone, for part two of my interview with Anna Findell. If you happen to miss part one of our interview, don't forget to check it out. Thanks for coming back for another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. So anyway, so I'm going to fast forward. So in, in uh, 2017, I've, I've lost both my parents. They died in 2014 and 2016. And so, and I, I, I really, you know, with, with um, this man and I, we, we went everywhere. We went, you know, I flew to Toronto for a job training. I increased my, you know, responsibilities in my career you know, I was really growing and blossoming. It was really lovely. It was really wonderful. And then uh, I did uh, I did a triathlon when I was 42. And it just so happened I was the only one in my category of 40 to 44. <laughs> so I got the medal for my category. <laughs> Good for you. But it was only because I was the only one in the category. You don't need to tell so people it, that part. Come on. I know I don't have to tell people that. I have the medal. I'm like, I got the medal, man. I did it. Anyway, it's called a mini triathlon. <laughs> it wasn't a, an Ironman or anything, but I was so proud of myself. Um, so I keep the medal around so I can see it. It's like, you did this. You did this. So I think I'm lucky that I've had the sports, uh, you know, in my life because it's kept me thinking, you know, there's always the competition and life is a competition. It's very challenging. So anyway, I'm going to fast forward to 2017. Uh, I lost both my parents and actually, unfortunately, this guy and I, we, we got divorced, but we're still really good friends and I see him once in a while. And um, so I decided I had already started to travel further and further, but the big jump was to actually go to Vancouver which was the the scary spot and so I I in 2015 I went to Vancouver and I was great I called my mom I said I did it I did it I did it and then I started this uh training in what's called energy healing energy medicine and it was fantastic so but I was commuting because I didn't want to move there yet I had a super excellent job here I worked in palliative care and so I thought, no, I'm going to go take the training. Like it was like four days and then come back. And then I'd go for clinics and four days and then come back. So I was doing this for, uh, I guess, a, a year and a half. And then my mother died and she said, you're going to go finish your program. Yes. And I said, yes, I'm going to go finish my program. So what do I do? I decide, great. I'm packing up the car. I packed up my apartment. And I went off to Vancouver. And as soon as I arrived at a friend's place, I sat down and I started to lose it. And I'd been eight times. So we call that desensitization. I had gone eight times and I was there. This is the ninth time I had moved there. So there was no back door anymore. Right. I had moved there. And I was sitting there and I, and, I, and I looked at these two friends who I hadn't seen in 30 years. They were really good friends of mine. And I just went, I'm really sorry, but I'm losing it. And I had medication with me. So I, I took the medication and I was just like, oh my God. And we were on an island, <laughs> funny enough, on Vancouver Island. And I thought, oh God, I'm not going to the hospital. So I just took the medication and I just, you know, sat by the water and I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. And then one of my instructors, you know, asked me about an assignment and I, and I sort of got back into my intellectual head and got my assignment finished and got all this stuff. Anyway, I was okay. Moved into my apartment and then very strange. 
two months later, had a massive abscess in my mouth. And I won't say who this is. Everybody tells me I should have sued the guy, but I didn't. Um, I wrote that I was allergic to this medication and I told them I was allergic to this medication and I told the secretary I was allergic to this medication. Anyway, they gave me the medication and I almost died and they had me upside down and then I had to go in an ambulance and go to the hospital and have my heart monitored and it was terrifying and uh, I was okay physically and the doctor, you know, I was there for about eight hours and then they said you know you're okay but then i went home and completely lost it. yeah just so being I went in the back to the hospital and this is a funny joke that i tell i do comedy by the way and you know what <laughs> you have a great attitude your comedy is <laughs> yes so i i go back to emergency 24 hours later because i'm losing it and i and i've always said to people if you go to emergency dress really nicely they'll treat you much better so I haven't done any research on that, but I wore, you know, white silk pants, you know, beautiful shoes, my $250 purse that I got for 25 bucks and, you know, makeup on and all prettied up with my pearls. I said, I'd like to see the psychiatrist, please. <laughs> yes. And they're like, okay. And the psychiatrist was a lovely fellow, uh, East Indian fellow. He was beautiful. And he sat there and listened to me for an hour. And I was explaining about, having been traumatized here and moved back and then desensitizing and the travel and, and, and so he asked me a really good question he said are you coming back to vancouver to retire or did you just come here to conquer this fear i said oh wow and i said i i thought i was coming to retire but i guess i came to conquer this fear so he said so are you done you need permission to go home? He said, what do you want? I said, I want to go home. Yeah. So I tried to Got stay chills. for a bit to finish school and do all this stuff. I did finish my school. I finished one of my big assignments and stuff. And then I sort of sat there and I, and I had eight months left of school. This was in the summer. So I had my last semester and then I would have graduated from this energy healing program. And I was like, ah, oh, I want to finish. I want this so badly. And then I sat there one night and I... I was really white knuckling it, like literally white knuckles. Like I was like this sitting there and I said, okay, if I don't like, and I had my car and my dog. So I said, if I don't go back now, I won't be able to go back until like March because of the weather in Canada driving across the country. And so I was really like, if I don't go, I'll be like, if I am in trouble, I'm going to be stuck here. So I sat there and I said, no, this is, this is like, I, I know me and my mental status so well and I really sat there and I said, you know what? You're done. Like, you need to go home. I made the decision. I went to school. I got my refund from my tuition. I said, I'm sorry, guys. My, you know, my teacher, she loved me. And she said, it's okay. If this is what you have to do. She said, you have PTSD. I said, yeah, I have PTSD. I thought, you know, I could overcome all this stuff and be okay. And it's too much. I got to go home. And then it was really funny because then I'm going home and I remember my brother saying, you're going home, but mom and dad are dead. You have no apartment. You have no job. You have nothing there. Like there's no family there. There's, there's, there's nothing in Montreal No longer home. You. Yes. It's not home. Like you think you're going home. Like you think in your head, you're going back to where you came from, but there's nothing left. And I said to him, I remember this. I said, oh no, I'm okay. It's Montreal. Like, I know how to work this city. I know how to come home. I know what's here. I know how to maneuver. I know what neighborhood. I know everything about the city. And so I, I left Vancouver. I packed up the car. The woman who took my apartment, she ended up buying almost all my furniture, which was fabulous. I called the moving truck. I had just enough money to, to move and do everything. And I arrived in Montreal, literally, like, with, like, 20 bucks in my pocket. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I'm here. And I found a friend who put me up with my dog. And then I worked every single day. And I said, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a job. I got a job, got an apartment, bam, bam, bam. Everything fell into place. Kind of settled in again into what I call the boxes. So I was okay. You know, I had the job, I had the apartment and I started going to the gym, started seeing my friends. It was great. But I was sort of again in that place where 
we live when we're living sort of in boxes, everything's okay, but we're not really living our dream or we're not really living from our heart. We're just sort of surviving, just sort of bumping along, you know, from paycheck to paycheck and just sort of like, okay, I'm okay. I was grateful that I was okay. But I was also sort of questioning, you know, is this it? Like, is this, is this my whole life? Like now, and now I was sort of re, I don't know if I'd say re-traumatized, but I was like, yeah, I'm not taking a plane anywhere. <laughs> like I'm not going anywhere. And obviously, you know, going to live in Vancouver, you know, I kept saying it was a bad idea. And I felt that shame again, that shame and that embarrassment and so people were asking me you know like oh you're back like I thought you went out west to do this and you were going to be an energy healer and I was like yeah well that didn't work out and I and I couldn't tell people I was like you know here I go again so in February of 2019 I a friend of mine it actually asked me to go to this spiritual event. I've been studying different spiritual workshops and stuff. And I started studying mindfulness meditation. And um, I was actually going to go to this event that I decided because I had to get on a plane to go there that I really didn't want to take that on right now. I didn't feel like I had enough energy to really cope with it. So I canceled it and I was online canceling it and an event next to it. I don't believe in accidents. <laughs> an event next to it said, transform your fear. And I thought, what? What's that? So I looked at it. It was a free lecture on the other side of the city uh, by a school called Win Vision, W-I-N Vision. And the owner is Darren Miller. And so I went to see Darren Miller talk about overcoming fear, tra transforming fear. So I walked in, I was quite nervous. And uh, I remember wearing this very big, comfy, sort of cozy sweater to feel safe. You know what I mean? And, um, but I usually sit in the front because I have also hearing loss. So I, I sat in the front I wanted to hear what he was saying and this actually is on YouTube somewhere I'm not quite sure where I could probably find it the link for you so he was explaining what neuro-linguistic programming is so neuro meaning all this stuff that's going on in your brain your neurology and linguistic is about not only language, because linguistics is not just language, it's communication. So it's your language, but it's also your nonverbal cueing, your nonverbal language, which is, it, depending on which research you look at, like 75 to 85% of what you're saying. So very little is coming out of your mouth. But what is coming out of your mouth, there's tone, there's pitch, there's cadence, those all sorts of things that are adding to it and um so we were sitting there learning all this and then he said does anybody have a really big phobia and so i put up my hand i was like are you kidding i'm i'm not just not and i didn't and i actually didn't tell him what it was i didn't i didn't say that i was afraid to fly because that's not my phobia my phobia is i'm terrified to lose my mind again because if i lose my mind again i just don't know if I have the strength to go through it again, I went through it once. I don't wish it on anyone on this planet. And yet I know people on this planet are going through that and it's horrific. It's, 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 it's barely describable. And to think that any human being goes through that experience and makes it to the other side and comes out. Okay. is just like unbelievable. And a lot of those people, you were like trying to do everything you could to avoid that. Yeah. So, yeah. So I stopped traveling again. I stopped, you know, I was like, don't even think outside the box. Just go to your job. I started to not like my job a lot. And I actually tell you in 2018, ended up with bleeding ulcers. That's how much I hated my job. 
and I was in the hospital and almost died. Like it was crazy. Anyway, so here I am in this transforming fear workshop and I put up my hand like, yes, I have a phobia. And it was interesting because he actually never really asked me what it was. He didn't even need to know what it was. That's okay. So he didn't need to know what it was. I had just put up my hand and I was like, I'm terrified of losing my mind again. And I'm like living sort of under a rock basically and not doing too much because I'm so scared to move too far that I might lose my mind again. And, uh, and of course I had seen my doctor when I got back from Vancouver and I was on medication again and all this stuff. So anyway, he finally, you know, he asked me a few questions in with this audience and he asked a few other people questions and he helped one girl get over spiders and he helped another person get over, I think it was snakes or something. And then he sort of looked at me and he said, do you want to come up here? And I was like, yes. I was like, yeah, if you can get rid of this man, yeah, let's get rid of it for sure. So I go up there and he does an NLP technique called the rewind technique, which it's kind of long and complicated to describe how it works or what it does. But basically in neuro-linguistic programming, anything that we have stored in the brain is stored in a particular way. And by changing the components of what it's made up of, and I'll give you an example in a second to help explain it. But if you change the components, you actually change the meaning of what it represents. So it's very interesting. So I'll give you an example because I've done this a lot. I do pet therapy with my dog. And a couple times I brought the dog into a place that was a lobby at the university. So it wasn't a room where people knew pet therapy was there. And one person would start screaming because they were afraid of dogs. And so I'd hold the dog behind me and say, do you want me to get rid of that? And they'd go, you know, who are you? What are you talking about? I was like, would you like me to get rid of that? And they're like, yeah, and they're screaming. And so I said, well, what do you see? And they say, oh, I see this massive mouth of a dog coming towards me. And I'm like, well, that would scare me half to death too. And so I said, okay, make it really small and now make it really dim and make it out of focus and change all these components of it. And I'm telling you in like a minute and a half, the person would just calm down. And then I say, you want to pet the dog? And they'd start petting the dog and go, what did you just do to me? Incredible. I, said, well, I used an NLP technique. So our brain works in such a way that things get stored in our, our sensory modalities we call them so visual auditory kinesthetic olfactory which is smelling and gustatory which is taste so everything that happens to us in our life gets stored that way and then there are other like many 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 sub modalities which in within each of those so let's take for example visual so visual, I can have a person standing like this in front of my nose and think, well, you know, that's a bit scary. But visually, in my mind, if I tell you, oh, put the person down on the horizon so they're this big, well, now they're not so scary anymore. But in fact, just by doing that with someone and helping them see it in a different way and guiding them and coaching them to see it in a different way, it changes the meaning of the memory. So he brought me up on stage and there's a video of this and it's really amazing just to say what I look like now. I'm about 40 pounds lighter than I was last February. And I was wearing this big, huge, cozy sweater. So I just looked like a big green blob <laughs> sitting on this chair, absolutely terrified, like terrified. And in 12 minutes. Now I need to see it. Mm -hmm. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. He got rid of my phobia. Really? Of losing my mind. And he never even knew that's what it was. What it was. Wow. 
So, and after that, and I, of course I do this with my clients, I say, after we've done this, things are going to change a lot because what you've been doing, and I've been doing this since 1995, and especially reinforced it since 2017, being afraid of something takes incredible amounts of energy. So guess what? You actually, it's very hard to live a life because you're spending all your time being afraid of something that you're working at avoiding, you're working at staying away from it, you know, keeping it over there, not thinking about it, not doing anything that might trigger it. So you just keep yourself in a little tiny box. I know exactly how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. So I was blown away and he actually said, you know, things are going to change. And I was kind of like, the first thing I'll tell you, which is very funny, I found a way to describe it. It's very <laughs> funny how I describe it. It's not, not literally, but I felt like wind could go from one ear out the other ear. I felt like I freed up neuro space in my mind. I had spent so much energy on this for so many years. Like we're talking about weeds that have been there forever. You know? What a moment. Yeah. And I went home, I slept like a log. And the next day I was just like so relaxed and kind of like, wow. So I went home and I felt this wonderful sensation of relaxation, just really relaxed. And of course he has a program and which is to become a licensed practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And I said, well, and not that, you know, I've been to wonderful therapists. I've had excellent therapists, but I was like, nothing has helped me that quickly and that significantly. And I said, I'm in. And so I came to meet him. It was really funny. I came to meet him. I, I didn't have, I didn't have anywhere close to the money that this program costs. I didn't have anywhere close, but my heart was saying, I need to do this because if he did what he just did to me and I can learn how to do this, th this is going to change people's lives tremendously. So I went to meet him and I said, look, this is what I can pay you. And this is how I can pay you. Can, can you do that? Like the course was, you know, five, six thousand dollars. I said, I, you know, I don't, I don't have, I didn't have $50. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I was living, you know, paycheck to paycheck and I was trying to pay off everything and my move still and all this stuff. So he agreed. And I remember when he said, oh, you know, about this program, he said, just listen to your heart. You know, all you have to do. And I tell people that too. I, I never, you know, push people. I don't do sales. If you want to work with me, you want to work with me. And if you want it, then we're going to do good work together. If I'm selling you and pushing you into it, it's not going to work anyway. You have to want it. And I wanted this course badly. I really wanted it. And so I did. So I started the training and I did the first uh, set of training. And then he said, you know what, go ahead and start seeing people. So it was funny. So I took the course and then of course we had the master training, which I continued and I took that course as well. So something else happened. So last, in the middle of this, I went to, uh, oh, and I will tell you about this. This, uh, it's called one woman, uh, one woman .ca, And she has fearless women conferences all over the globe. And they're fabulous. And they had one in Montreal, fearless women. And I went and I met a woman named Dr. Sonia, S-O-N-J-A. And Dr. Sonia is worth, I don't know, she's a billionaire now. She gave a talk and then she offered a course and a training on how to become a speaker and then how to become, uh, have a, a business where you're coaching, but you're also selling online programs. And it was fabulous. She was an excellent coach. I went to the one week speakers training so it was a professional speakers training for a week in Toronto and I was able to get there and stayed for the week with a friend so it cost me like nothing almost except for the program right and uh, but again the same thing happened I trusted my heart 
And I tell people this, please learn how to listen to your intuition. And if you have to start really small, I used to do things like I'd look at a stapler when I was leaving and go and get like, you know, take the stapler. I'm like, I don't need a stapler. And I wouldn't listen. And then I'd go somewhere and someone would be in a Starbucks going, does anybody have a stapler? I've got to hand in my paper. And, you know, I'd like, oh, I should have brought the stapler. Just little things like that. So I started really listening to little things like that. And in my life, I mean, this is an aside, but in my life, I've been a first responder and I learned how to listen quite young. It's sort of funny thing that I do, but not funny, funny, strange, I guess. But I walk down the street and I'll get an intuition to turn that way instead of where I'm going. And I'm like, what am I doing? And then I get it even stronger and then stronger. And then I go that way and then someone collapses and has a heart attack or a stroke or a seizure. This has been happening all oh my, my life, wow. even before I became a nurse. And so I've learned to listen because it was, it, I've, I was learning to listen to help other people. So this was a lesson for me to learn how to listen to it for myself. Like I've been saving lives all my life, but it was time to save my life. I was saving everybody. I was teaching everybody, coaching everybody, helping everybody, doing CPR on the street, car accidents, helping, calling 911, the ambulance get there. So if you weren't here, this person would be dead. I've been doing this all my life. And I didn't realize that all this rescuing, I was trying to rescue myself. And when I started to realize I need to do what I want to do for me. So I did sign up with Dr. Sonia's program. And I did this program and then, and she said, you know, be brave and just look for open stage like speakers wanted. So I did. And I found a place in London, England. Oh, wow. And I sat there and thought, oh boy. I got to get there. <laughs> I thought, now I'm in trouble. No. So anyway, so I filled in the thing and actually I, the speech, you know, because this was World Congress on Special Needs Education. So I thought I could focus in on the spinal surgery. I've had two spinal surgeries, lumbar and cervical, and both took me about a year to learn how to walk again, which was challenging for sure. But I think that my sports and, you know, I've been a sports coach and so that really helped me keep going and working on it. But after a year, both of them, I was walking normally again. So I had sort of developed a program around that to help people and friends of mine who've had spinal surgery to get over that and get strong and be tenacious and persistent and go to physio and get stronger and never give up. And so I was filling in the form for England, London, England. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> You haven't been on a plane, and the last time you were on a plane, it was not good news. And I, but my heart was pounding. And then they said uh, where the conference center was, and I had lived. We we went to London when I was six years old, and it was right near where I had been when I was six years old. And again, I said it can't be an accident. <laughs> like I'm going somewhere I've been before. Yes. And so anyway, I filled in the form. It took me four hours to press submit. I was staring at it, sweating, going, this is crazy. This is totally crazy. And I was like, yeah, but my life has been totally crazy. So why not, you know, really branch out? Just do whatever you want to do, no matter what it is. So I finally pressed submit and I thought, you know, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get asked to speak at this conference. It's an academic conference. It's speaking I was used to, but still it was like, if I can do that, if I can get on a plane and go to London, then yes, this is going to be my career. So guess what? They sent me an email a few days later and it was really great because I had a friend of mine who was giving an academic talk that day. And I, I said, can we meet after? She said, well, it's kind of late. It's eight o'clock at night. And I said, well, yeah, but I really, really want to meet with you. So I, she said, okay. And we met halfway. And so we're at this coffee place. And I said, so how did your speech go? And she said, it went really well. And I said, yeah. And you know, you got questions and you know, I really got into it with her and she was like, yeah, thank you for coming. And, and also I'd done NLP with her before to help her prepare for the speech and really got her into a good state so she could give a, a good speech. So she was thanking me and she said, you know, your coaching really helped. I got it. And the audience was really receptive. We had all these questions, which is always a good sign. 
And so then I, I said, okay, so I just want to ask you a question now. Do you think, you know, have we talked enough about you and your speech that you just gave and you're feeling, and she went, what? I said, well, I have something to tell you. I just want to make sure you feel like, you know, I've really heard you. And did you want to tell me anything else? And she said, no, what do you want to tell me? And then I jumped up and I said, I got accepted to go to London. <laughs> and she went, what? <laughs> and you were holding it in all that time because you wanted to be I there. I was like, oh boy. And we both started jumping up and down. She said, you're kidding. I said, no, they've asked me to come and speak. And I told Dr. Sonia, I said, my God. And I went to my NLP school and told Darren Miller in the class, I said, I've been asked to speak in London, England. And I was like, now I got to get on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I asked my buddies in the class, my NLP coach, you know, you've got to hypnotize me so I can, <laughs> you know, do it a few times so we get it really, really installed well that I can get on this airplane. And so Darren Miller was sweet because he said, because I was still scared, I mean, even though I'd, you know, done it in my head, like, I don't know, 50 times or something. And he said, I want to tell you something. The unconscious has got it, but sometimes our conscious doesn't get it as quickly. Anyway, I got on the plane. I went to London. I did the speech. I was amazing. I was like Aww. over the top. It was fantastic. And I met some incredible people that I'm still in touch with. And I came back. And then actually, they asked me if I wanted to publish my abstract which I did and just handed that in about two months ago. So it'll be published. So I was just Congratulations. like, Whoa, oh my God. So anyway, yeah, I've, I've, you know, and then it just goes on from there. So I went to uh, Pete Vargas, yeah. did 360 in April. I had already done a course with Pete Vargas. And then recently, oh my God, recently going to Tony Robbins UPW. Now Tony Robbins is an NLP expert. That's what he does. And so I was with him in this weekend. I'm telling you, doing it virtually was unbelievable. I'd always love to do a live one, but doing it virtually is like I'm sitting with Tony Robbins in my living room. Like, that's what it felt like for me. I was like, I'm talking to Tony Robbins, like the most successful speaker in the world. And it was so powerful. And I really just came out of that just really, really clear about, what I need to be doing, how I need to be helping people, and how I need to go forward. So I finished my book, which uh, will probably go to publishing soon. Yay! <laughs> uh, the book is called uh, Trauma Triumph. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. And um, I really believe that with NLP specifically, that helping people restructure their memories and restructure traumas, as well as doing some energy work in the body, they can really change. And my life has changed drastically since we got rid of this phobia last February. I mean, people see me now, I, I mean, I've lost 40, 45 pounds and still going. Um, the way I feel about myself is completely different. I, I'm not saying I don't feel fear, but I feel fear and then I work it through and bam. Okay. Afraid of that? Yeah, well, do it anyway. And I, I can work on myself. We've learned techniques that, you know, and I can teach people, you know, when you go to bed, you can write this sentence and ask your unconscious to help you with things. And I can help people get rid of stuff. I can help people install new stuff, bravery, <laughs> confidence, inspiration, whatever you want. So it's been fabulous. And so now, you know, through the UPW and through Pete Vargas, the Rise Up World, you know, things have really started to take off. I've been asked to speak uh, at different places. Uh, I'm speaking in August at two places. I'm been interviewed by you and a few other people. So this has been awesome. And I feel like, you know, I want to give this gift to people because we suffer. And Tony Robbins said this on the weekend, we suffer because what we're doing is we're replaying. We're replaying a trauma, replaying bad thoughts, replaying bad memories, replaying bad states that we've been in. And we just haven't learned how to how to replay good states and it's really learning how to start your day with a good state and then when you get into a bad state to come back to the good state to learn how to do the correction 
And now that I know how to do that for myself and I can teach others how to do it, it's, it's changed my life. And I know there's some people say, Oh, you know, that you're like super positive and some people don't like that. And I'm like, enjoy your life. I actually, I seriously, I want to tell you this. I had a client. I saw this client about four times. It's actually a daughter of a friend of mine. She said, you've got to help my daughter. And I said, okay. And I realized as a coach, I'm never doing that again. Cause the person has to come to me. The person has to see me or see my website and come running to me saying, I want you to help me change. So I took on this daughter of my friend which also is not a good setup because it's my friend and she's like, can you help her? And I'm like, well, I can do what I do, but it's a question of whether she wants to be helped or not. So I saw her about four or five times. And then one day she was really miserable. She was a real mess. I said, well, how long would you like to be miserable for? And she said, well, I'm fine with this. I said, oh, so you don't want to change being miserable most of the time. And she said, no. I said, then great, we're done. Call me when you want to change that. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh my God. I was like, yeah, but I I can't help you change if you're not interested in changing. It's like with an addict. It's the same thing. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't want to, if you want to keep living like this and being miserable every day because you think this is better for you. Yeah. uh, What am I supposed to do? Because it would be a waste of time for both parties, you know? That's right. Yeah. Nothing would change. So. Wow. You're incredible. Not only. (laughs) Thank you. Not only your story, but uh, I love it when people take the things that broke them and voice them because there are so many people who need to hear it. Yeah, Like you're helping so many people like, thank you. In your story, there were about seven or eight people that really helped you in those pivotal moments. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times on my show, I talk about, let's be that person. If you're, you know, sometimes you're not the person that's struggling. You're just somebody that maybe can open your eyes and see how you can help somebody else. You know, you're one side of the coin, I guess. And thank goodness too, for all those people, you know? Oh gosh. Yes. Well, and I, I realized that, that, you know, there's always someone worse off. There's always, even when I was in the street looking for food, I used to go, I used to wear billy boots and go into the dumpsters behind the grocery store. And I'd meet people who were also doing that. Yeah. Can you believe it? I mean, I had friends. We were in a dumpster getting groceries together, going, oh, I got eggs. They're expired today. Woo. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, crazy stuff, really crazy stuff. But here you are, a survivor of many things. I know. (laughs) It's like, Many things. And, you know, this Darren Miller sounds like he really impacted you a lot. And the fact that you want to now dedicate your life to you're you're going to be a remarkable coach like you already are but you're well thank you very much thank you i appreciate you saying that thing i wanted to share with you because i think we learn from other people's traumas there's always someone better off and there's always someone worse off in our lives and even though i've been through horrific stuff in my life I've still met people who've been through harder things and some people have been through easier things. But the, the point of what I do in teaching bravery is no matter what's happened to you, you can always go forward and you can gain the access to the bravery and build the life that you want. Take charge of your life, take responsibility and start building what you want. And I had the wonderful opportunity Um, I was on the um, planning committee for the Congress um, and on the palliative care executive committee uh, where I worked at one of the hospitals here in Montreal. And so we had an annual speaker and we had Dr. Bruce Miller, BJ Miller, uh, come from San Francisco. He's the director of the Zen Hospice in San Francisco. And he came to McGill to give a talk about the civics of dying. and. excellent topic and he was electrocuted and he lost his uh, arm and both his legs he's so he's a tri amputee and he came and gave this talk it was really powerful and I remember feeling like you know this guy has been through this hell and yet I've been through my hell which is a different hell the challenge of mental illness and 
so I was really keen to talk to him after. And of course, because I was on this committee, I was invited to the private reception. So at the reception, you know, we're all drinking wine and all dressed up and everything. And I come over and say, can I, you know, chat with you for five minutes? Everybody's in line trying to talk to him. And he said, for sure, for sure. So this is funny. So I said to him, I, I, I did the same thing I did with my husband. I kind of lay all the cards on the table, but I was sort of saying, look, you know, I've had all this stuff happen to me and, you know, I'm writing a book now that I'm working on about trauma triumph because I've been raped and I've had this breakdown. I've had two spinal surgeries and, you know, you've been through all this. It's amazing. And it's just wonderful to meet another fellow human being who's been through so much. And it was really funny. He came back and he said, well, you know, don't think it's over. And I said, what? <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You mean I could go through more shit than that? I thought, wow. Anyway, we had a lovely conversation, but really that's what he was saying. He said, this, this is life. And this is what I teach. You know, life has positive and negative things all the time. Nobody gets away from that. If someone tells me their whole life has been positive, I'm sorry, I don't believe them. They've had something happen to them. Everybody I've met in my life has had a story and I've met thousands and thousands of people. So, but it was really cute. And, and it was just his comeback. I was like, <laughs> you know, you better get ready because more could happen. And then, like I told you, you know, that I had this bleeding ulcer where I was in the hospital for a week and I almost died. And I thought about him. I thought, wow, I've been through all this other stuff and here I am in the hospital almost bleeding to death. I thought, wow, I'm going through another thing. And I kept thinking about, you know, just the triumph, but there's a triumph of trauma. Trauma is there for us to extract what it can teach us. It has lessons for us. And of course, what I understand now is if we just have the trauma happen and we don't do anything with it, then we don't go forward. Every adversity in everybody's life who's become a founder of something or a caregiver of something or started a movement of something has come from trauma. And I think we almost, it's like we don't understand that these negative things, we are calling them negative things. And I'm not saying that, you know, the things that have happened to me are positive, but it's not that they're positive or negative. They've happened to me. And they've happened in my life. So what do I want to do with them? Do I want to bury them under a rock and hide myself in my apartment with a blanket over my head and just stay there and say, forget it, my life's over? Or do I want to overcome this in some way and put my arm out and say, no, I'm going to go do something with this. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to extract from it. I'm going to teach other people about it. And I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be brave. And then I'm going to teach everybody else how to be brave. Yay! <laughs> so, so, yeah. This is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank but it's you. amazing. It's like, you know, you, everybody has their challenges. Everybody. And we think, like when you were talking at the beginning about being alone, and that's the hardest thing. And, and when you think you're alone, guess what? You're alone. Because whatever you're thinking is what you're going to get. But if you think that you're actually connected to everybody, which, by the way, you are, and not only that, you're connected to everything around you. And that's why I go out and touch the trees and go play with my dog and go riding on a horse and just, you know, stay connected to animals and nature because we're all connected. And we need to keep that. So, yeah, I... The book is called Trauma Triumph. And it's about understanding that when adversity happens, there's benefits in that. But if we don't look for them or we don't find the gratitude, like I'm grateful now, like the way I treat my mental health now, it's the most important thing to me. I eat for my mental health. I exercise for my mental health. I, you know, take care of my mental health on, on every single level. I create my state in the morning. I do gratitude prayer. I do meditation. I practice mindfulness all day long. And I really realize that this is something 
very precious. And I think we have gotten out of acknowledging how precious life is. And when people complain about really tiny things, like when someone says, oh, it's raining, it's so horrible. And I'm like, wow, really? That's horrible. That, you're going to choose to be in a horrible state because it's raining. I go hiking in the rain all the time. Oh, yeah, I did want to tell you. So before the UPW, there was a preparatory thing. And they asked a really interesting question. They said, um, I don't know if you want this in the interview. We can decide that after. But before the UPW with Tony Robbins, he came on and he said, I want you to think about just something, a decision that you made. Because life is about decisions. So a decision that you made where you think now, what if you'd made a decision to go the other way? And I thought, wow. Yeah. And I thought about, so I taught riding for 10 years when I was young. Or I, taught, I went for five years and then taught for five years. But I was out of riding school for 10 years in the summers. And um, when I was 20, I got a job outside Toronto working with horses. And my mother said, absolutely no way. Like, no way. And I was like, and it's funny because I was kind of rebellious. I don't know why I didn't go anyway. I could. And she said, no, no, you have to go to school. You have to get a career. And so I went to nursing school. And I, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't my passion. I, I mean, I was a great nurse and I, I've done nursing in all different kinds of areas and it's been fantastic. But I, the Wednesday before the UPW, I haven't been on a horse in 40 years. I'm aging myself. But anyway, <laughs> I, uh, last Wednesday, I called three places and I finally got a place and made an appointment and got on a horse. And I felt like I was in heaven all of a sudden. And I just went, why did I take this out of my life? Why did I remove this from my life? I got busy. I went to school. I started working. And I didn't ride a horse again. So guess what I'm doing? I'm taking the training to work with disabled people, mental and other, ADHD, autism, and I started working at a place as a volunteer, helping people with troubles get on a horse. Oh, wow. I love it. So oh, this just happened beautiful. last week. So not only am I teaching the bravery, but now I realize my real passion is to connect that up with riding horses or being around horses. I'm, I'm so happy you're doing that because you need, it's it's going to be continuing to give something to yourself no matter how yeah. busy you are it's going to keep you grounded it's going to do so With much the animals yeah. yeah that's amazing you know we had somebody yeah. um i interviewed a, a lady who um a friend of mine who's an art therapist and she actually went a couple of weeks ago because she's she has a she has a friend who's an equine therapist and you know what they yeah, yeah that's what was, i'm studying yeah, yeah they drew on the horses in, oh wow isn't in, that lovely in chalk oh you got to connect me with her yes in chalk. To. she's out now in uh, saskatchewan sorry i have this other expression that i say when the shit hits the fan Blah. turn off the fan <laughs> i actually had this literally happen to me i walked into my house my apartment a few years ago about six years ago i had a puppy that had diarrhea who was in his crate and I had another dog over there. The fan was on the puppy because it was 35 degrees Celsius yes. here. And there was literally shit flying all <laughs> over the walls. Now, do I go get the puppy or what? Do I turn off the fan? <laughs> turn off the fan. So I turned off the fan and took him out of there and gave him a bath and cleaned the walls and everything. And I thought, what a crazy expression. But you know what? In life, when the shit is happening, we keep the fan on. We play yes, it. We say we it. We sing it. We dance it. We keep going. We keep telling people. We rehearse it in our brain over and over and over again until the neural network gets so powerful in this negative area that we don't even know how to turn off the fan. But in NLP, you learn how to rehearse the good mental state, how to stay in a beautiful mental state 
as much as possible. And if I didn't today, do it even more tomorrow. And the day after that, even more than the day before. And if you can go through life, learn, when, having learned how to create a beautiful state and how to practice that and how to correct it when you go off that track and come right back, I'm telling you, life just becomes mm. a piece of cake. Even when the shit's hitting the fan, you learn how to turn off the fan, catch it, learn it, move forward. Clean up the pieces and go on Clean with your Clean up the pieces day. and move on. And it's momentum in my course. That's what I teach. It's momentum. You have to keep moving. If you stay in the same place, this happened to me, this happened to me, you could do that for years. And I did that way back when. I did that for years. And of course you're going to end up feeling suicidal. My God. Who wouldn't? It's like enough already. You want it to stop. But that's not, you don't have to commit suicide. Choose a brave life. There's another way to make it stop. Oh, I love that. Thank you for that message. Thank you. You're amazing. You're amazing. I I haven't done I anything so except li except listen to you, honestly. I know, but this has been this is fantastic. This is fantastic. Mm. So, yeah, I don't know um I don't know how to say a proper goodbye, Anna. I think that this is just the beginning of our friendship, to be honest with you. And thank you, um, thank you so much. It's an honor to have you here and yeah, for those of you listening at home, you know, you can get through it. And uh, yes. let's all help each other in life and let's all help each other and overcome trauma and just be there for each other. You know, if if you haven't been through it yourself, be be available, be available to be that person for somebody else. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on my show. <laughs> Well, it was a real privilege to be here, Nelia. I loved it. And thank you for just trusting and allowing me to share my story and put it out there. I think it's important that people know that there are a lot of sort of unsung warriors out there that have been through really horrific things. And there's a lot of people that have really triumphed at that. I'm not the only one. And now that I've met and, you know, met other people and seen other people get through it and, and been able to do that myself, it's changed my life. So I'm very grateful and I'm, I'm grateful to have been on your podcast. I was very honored to be here. Thank you very much. So brave for, th for saying your story. And yes, there are more survivors, I think, than victims. So let's just remember that, you know. Yeah. But yeah. thank you so much. It was great to You're meet welcome. you. <laughs> You're welcome. See you again soon. Yes. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.